This is a Bandit Radio production. Lazy yellow moon coming up to tonight, shining through the trees. Crickets are singing and lightning bugs are floating on the breeze. Baby, get ready. It's Vandy Week for One Team, One Podcast. On today's episode, we have former LSU linebacker Derry Beckwith, and we will talk with Matt Perkins with the Believe in Vandy podcast to get a breakdown of the Commodores. Showed you what the goat was last year when we beat y'all fifty to seven. Relax, big boy. Team one podcast. One team one podcast. Yeah, they did a good job. Mm -hmm. Really good. Yeah. Why is he so fat? One team one podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to One Team, One Podcast, episode 30. Which one are we on? 35? No. 34? What was 30? No, 33 was the donuts. This is 34, so this is Cecil Collins and Stephen Ridley. Cecil Collins. Cecil the Diesel. By the way, my Cecil the Diesel uh, helmet and jersey are on the way. Helmet. Um, yeah, I got a signed helmet coming from Cecil Collins. Our oh, helmet shit. that was in the middle of our table has got signed oh, by yeah. Cecil Collins now, so I'm waiting to get it back. Awesome. Um, and we're going to have Cecil Collins on the podcast during Auburn week. We've already set that up, so be on the lookout for that. I'm excited to talk to him. He's uh, uh, a guy that was during my college days for sure. So um, got a great episode for you today. Uh, we decided to we we made a call to uh, Derry Beckwith. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna have Derry Beckwith on the podcast, a former LSU linebacker, obviously LSU great, but also played under Bo Pelini. Right. Uh, felt like this was perfect time to to bring him on. Uh, Jack, you set it up. You got the you made the call, yeah, right? I, I I shot my shot yesterday. I like it. Uh-huh. I like it. So yeah, I just I, I saw that he uh, I saw him on Twitter. And I saw that like not a lot of people were following him. His DMs were open. So I was like. Hey, what the hell? Yeah. Uh, so we're going to have Derry on, uh, talk a little bit about uh, what we saw last week out of the defense, but also uh, what we may be expecting from the Tigers this week. And then after that, we're going to have uh, Matt Perkins from the Believe in Vandy podcast. Matt and Zach Stacy do a podcast uh, with Believe in Vandy. Uh, we're going to have him on talk a little bit about Vanderbilt uh, because we don't know anything about Vanderbilt. Just about nothing. Yeah, so uh, we need somebody to kind of give us scoops, um, and we'll have some predictions at the end of the show as well uh, for our game predictions. So with that, guys, we are going to go straight into um, our interview with former LSU linebacker, number 48, Derry Beckwith. Okay, guys, we are uh, bringing you on Derry Beckwith, former LSU linebacker. How are you doing today, Derry? 
I'm doing great, guys. I appreciate you for having me. I'm super excited, especially my first time on the show. Uh, yeah. So I'm ecstatic. That's right. Okay. So, and for those who can't see, Derry's in front of his backdrop. Uh, and he was telling, he was very excited about this backdrop. So uh, tell us about the, it's the Derry Beckwith Foundation. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so briefly, the Derry Beckwith Foundation, we target high school student athletes, and we have three segments for them that do internships, tutoring, and also, also enrichment programs to help them in various areas. Uh, recently, um, they learned about uh, finan financial literacy. They learned how to write a check. A check. Um, they learned different interview skills. So what we teach them is different practical skills that they can use in their everyday life. And our main goal, our main purpose uh, for these high school athletes is let them to, for them to realize that it's a life beyond sports. And once sports does Absolutely. end, life does, yep. does go on. You can be just as successful outside of life as opposed to sports. Awesome, man. Um, I love that, dude. I, I think that is something that a lot of kids, you know, I think we're in a sports center generation, right? Like where guys are just watching highlights all day. They're just thinking that anybody can kind of do this stuff and maybe they're not putting um, the work towards their craft like a LeBron James is or somebody like that. But these are the skills that they may have missed during that whole period of time that you're probably given to those guys. So I, I think that's awesome. Um, so tell us a little bit about you and like you, when you came to LSU, um, you were coming out of Parkview, correct? Oh, uh, yes, sir. That's correct. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that transition from you at Parkview and maybe getting recruited uh, by LSU. So my, my recruiting story uh, is very short and sweet. Um, I tell people all the time, I tell the story all the time. I never officially committed to LSU. Um, <laughs> at that time, uh, Coach Saban was at LSU, so we were his last recruiting class. Okay. So I can remember the day he did uh, offer me a scholarship in front of my parents. Uh, we went up there for junior day. We were sitting in his office, and he said, I would like to extend an offer to your son. And I told Coach Saban, I said, I appreciate it. I'm going to think about it. Let me think this thing through. So it's a lot weighing on me right now. Just let me try to figure this thing out. When I said that, I could feel my mom's eyes beaming on the side of my face. <laughs> like, true, true story. And she looked at me, she looked at me with, the, with this look of like, if he wasn't here, I would slap you so hard right now. Like, that's the type of look she had. <laughs> and so she looked at me and looked back at Coach Saban and said, he's not going anywhere. He's coming here. And we agree with right now. And so he's like, I guess you're committing. I said, well, I guess so. So whatever mom says, mom goes. So I never really officially committed to LSU. But thank, thank God she, she was there. Uh, the transition from Parkview to LSU, I tell people all the time, going from high school to college is a big transition. The speed of game mm -hmm. is a lot, lot faster than high school. In high school, if you're bigger and faster than everyone else, you can, you can basically dominate right. in college. Right. It's a little bit different. But going to a great school like Parkview, they prepared me uh, physically and mentally to transfer, uh, transition to LSU. So that was in 2003, 2004 area, is that right? Uh, two, 2005 was my, was, my, was my freshman year okay. um, at LSU. Right. So tell us about the 2007 season. I know that was a magical time. Um, you were right, right in the center of it, right in the thick of it pretty much. I think 2007, just like this past season with LSU, you would never see another season with Joe Burrow like that ever again. Right. And you would never see a 2007 season like that ever again. I think you would never see a, a two-loss team win a national championship. And I almost see like every game, every single game, uh, we gave our LSU fans a heart attack and they yeah. had heart troubles. <laughs> I was there. Game. I was at the Auburn game. So, yeah, you gave yeah. me a heart attack on that one. <laughs> exactly. Like Auburn and Florida game, which, which is a classic with Jacob Hester converting yeah. on the sports grounds. So that was a season to remember. 
And it's no better feeling um, to win a national championship um, 45 minutes to an hour down from where you grew up from. And the biggest yeah. thing that, that even the players that I played with, the biggest thing, the biggest joy we got of winning that is doing it in front of our family and friends. Um, right. they, had they have opportunity to say one of our family members achieved something that no one else in our family has ever achieved. Right. And so 2017, um, your defensive coordinator, Bo Pelini, right? Um, and after last week with Mississippi State, uh, Bo Pelini is a hot topic of conversation in Baton Rouge. Um, what, what, what were your thoughts on the game and watching it? Uh, you know Pelini and his style. Um, what did you think was going on during the game? Were there any frustrations that you saw on your end when you were watching it? I believe it just it was a, a perfect storm for Mississippi State and just a bad storm from LSU. Uh, losing Derek Stingley the night before kind of changes your whole game plan. Yeah. And so people have to realize this secondary of LSU is ex extremely young. Elias Ricks is a true freshman. Uh, Cordell Flott is a sophomore. Jay Ward just had meniscus surgery two weeks ago. Right. And so he wasn't even supposed to play, wasn't even supposed to dress out. And so you get these guys thrust in in, in a situation and have to kind of move positions. I know, uh, I think Cordell Flott had to uh, kick inside to play nickel. So it was just, it was very, for them, I know from a, from a player's perspective, the game plan changes at the last minute and kind of adjust on the fly. But I know we gave up a lot of yards. And I understand that people say, well, why we didn't play more zone? But look, if you ask a lot of young guys that just came to college to play zone, that's, that's a hard task. <laughs> right. Zone is very, very complex, just like trigonometry. Like, it's something that you just can't yeah. wake up and you can do. Man-to-man -man is more like, my guy's better than your guy. And I'm pretty sure Pliny felt like that uh, going into the game. But right. one thing I, I said earlier to someone that you can correct the technique, you can correct the mental error. What you can't correct is talent. And LSU does have talent. Mm -hmm. So if you want to look at the positive side of it, um, they can correct the small things as far as technique and mental errors. And I believe LSU will be all right and they'll get back on the right track. Yeah, and yeah. one of the things that we were seeing, like in some of the cut clips from the defensive backs, especially out on the boundary, were guys that were they're ready to play bump and run coverage, and but they wouldn't bump them. They would just let the guy run free release by them. And I'm like, what? Why were you in this position if you weren't going to do that? And I don't know if that's a mental lapse. I'm I'm sure Corey Raymond's not teaching that kind of stuff. You know. No, he's not. And I, I think it's, it's youthfulness as well. And especially playing against an offense like that, if you don't bump and run, I mean, they're going to run shallow routes and peak you to death. Yep. And that's basically what, that's what they did all day long, ran shallow routes, uh, picked guys, and, and they were able to get open. And so it's one of those things where it's a learning experience. And I do believe that the LSU players and the coaching staff is going to learn from this. Like, going to the game, LSU is known for what, DBU. So going to that game – your confidence level is pretty high. Like, our DBs are better than your receivers. So mm -hmm. they may have thought, look, we may not have to play bump and run. We may can guard these guys one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. Uh, it didn't work like that. So now what you do, you go back to the drawing board, you adjust and move forward, and hopefully uh, these guys can, can take this, be humbled a little bit, and move on and continue to get better. Yeah, and how much of a difference do you think with Stingley being back this next week, and how what does that do for the defense? I mean, you know, you know his skills and and everything, but after what you what you saw last week without him, and we've seen him with him, I mean, what kind of a difference is that really going to make for the defense? Like, I think it'll make a I think it'll make a, a pretty big big difference. Now, if he would play last week, would they have still given up a lot of yards? 
Probably so. 623? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, but, right. but I and think, and uh, I think over 300 was yards after catch. Right. Yes, that's, that's what I'm saying. So um, with having Stingley back, you, you kind of get a guy, the alpha, but as, as per se, in, in the room who's been there, done that. And I think the other guys can feed off his energy and feed off his confidence. So having him back is going to be a huge lift. The guys can play their normal position. Uh, I think you'll see a guy like Cordell Flock uh, kind of calm down a little bit. Uh, he played yeah. great ball last year as a true freshman. Um, okay. But I'm telling you, when you when you, when you when the game plan changes on the fly, uh, it, it takes uh, a lot of discipline. It takes uh, your mind your mindset has to change in a split second. Uh, but yeah. I believe guys will, will come back and they will respond quickly. And I think we had heard on I think it was off the bench this week about what Stingley's dad was was talking about it and sure. talking about how everybody had to kind of change positions. Not right. only just right. not only like Flot had to. Flott was supposed to play nickel. He had to kick outside. Right. Jay Ward wasn't supposed to play. Darren right. Evans had only been with the team for a week and a half. Yeah, so you're – He you're, wasn't supposed to play either. Not only are you putting guys on the field that probably weren't as prepared and right. having the reps that they needed to have, but you also were putting guys in completely different positions from what they had practiced all week to the day of the game. Right. <laughs> right. After hearing all that, it makes me feel a little better, especially after what happened. Um if there was anything you would have – if you would have changed, let's say you're the defensive coordinator. You know this scheme. You know everything about it. What would you have changed in the middle of the game, especially with, like, crossing routes and things like that? Is there anything that as a linebacker that you would have adjusted to to kind of make sure that that didn't happen? I think the main thing as far as to eliminate crossing routes, uh, one thing to eliminate that offense is that you have to have a robber in the middle of the field. Yeah. Um, if you notice, the first team last year that gave LSU problems was Auburn defense because they had a robber in the middle field who took away all the shallow crossing routes. So mm -hmm. in an offense like that, obviously they did hit us deep a couple of times, but if you know an air raid doesn't mean they're throwing a ball 30 yards down the field. It's short intermediate routes. So from a linebacker's perspective, and I think from Coach Bellini moving forward, if he does face another offense like that, um, I promise you another offense is going to try to do the same thing Mississippi <laughs> right. they did because it's a complicated lead. He'll probably have a robber in the middle of the field who would take care of those crossing routes and eliminate those crossing routes. And then I think I would have played a little bit more, a little bit more zone, not a confused zone, but cover two, like just, just mix up a little bit and give them a, a, a different look. Um, but like I said, I think those guys would, would, would adjust to it. And one thing about Coach Ogeron, um, once, when these guys lose a game, uh, you can be assured that the next game they will be well prepared. Yeah, I'm sure um, a fly on the wall for Tell the Truth Monday was, uh, was something to be seen. <laughs> I, Tommy Moffitt may have been throwing chairs. I don't know. If you look at Ogeron's uh, history, um, being at LSU, after every loss, they come back. They come yeah. back and win. I remember the year against Alabama, they lost uh, when David Elling was the quarterback. They lost 10 nothing. People always said, every time we lose to Alabama, we go in a hole. Well, they did. They went up and, yep. um, and took care of business against Arkansas, I believe, the, the next week. So right. they're going to bounce back. Um, Coach Ogeron took responsibility for it. He, he held himself accountable, which, which I do like. And as a player, if you see a coach holding himself accountable, it's going to make me as a player hold myself accountable and do better uh, for me and my team. Well, it's yeah. also sounded like Polini held himself accountable as well with Ogeron, and this is what he said in the interview. Um, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the offense. Um, what did you see out of the LSU offense? And I know there's a lot of comparison to last year. Uh, Miles Brennan's coming in. He's got a lot of shoes to fill. Um, it was my perspective that I felt like he may have been trying a little too hard and, um, 
that pressure kind of got to him a little bit in this game? What would what, you have to say? I can, I, can, I can agree with that. I mean, he's been hearing Joe Burrow questions um, since the last no play of the National Championship game. Right. So to fill those shoes, is, it's extremely high expectations. I think Brennan just has to be himself. Don't force it and don't try to do too much. Look, he still threw over 300 yards. Um, offensively, we still put up 27 points, and we did not play well at all. So I'm looking at those things. I'm looking at the positives. Like, before we had this offense, you know, years, years whatever, when, when before Coach Ogeron kind of changed things around, we would have got blown out by Mississippi State, like, literally. Yeah. If we were still in the game, still put up 27 points. He still threw for over 300 yards. I think the old lineman has to clean up some things um, mm-hmm. to give Brandon time. Uh, I do believe that uh, you don't have long, drawn-out uh, route combinations for Brennan. Get the ball quickly out of his hand. Uh, start with some bubble screens, some slant routes. You know, don't try to run long, I think, dig routes to kind of keep him in the pocket over, mm-hmm. over a long period of time. Get the, bo- get the ball out of his hand quickly. I think he will be okay. Um, he has to settle down and realize, look, you don't have to be Joe Burrow. Just be Miles Brennan. And, and Miles Brennan got you to LSU. If you, if you were not good enough to play quarterback LSU, you wouldn't be here. So do what Miles Brennan is, is supposed to do. Don't, don't compare yourself to Joe Burrow. Don't try to live up to those shoes. Again, that season last year, nobody ever in college football ever is going to, is going to have that type of season. Yeah. So do what Miles Brennan does. What did, what did you do to get put to this point to make sure that you are the starting quarterback LSU, uh, be confident in yourself? And I still, um, I still have extreme confidence in Brennan that he's going to get the job done. Yeah. What's something I've been thinking is just like, when's the last time that LSU, you know, ran for 450 yards, I mean, scored 27 points, and we're all saying, oh, my God, this offense looks terrible. It, it's it, shows where Joe Burrow. it really shows where we're at. It's the post-Joe Burrow era that we're in as an LSU football fan. And, yeah, I, it, from what I'm seeing, there is I, – I feels like there's more criticism about Miles Brennan than there is on the defense, which is shocking yeah. to me. Right. Um, but I think it's because of Joe Burrow and I guess new expectations out of an LSU fan and what we were used to seeing. And a guy's not living up to that. I mean, he's getting criticized even for the t- uh, touchdown pass. Uh, he threw the touchdown pass to Eric Gilbert uh, close to the goal line, and he threw it up in right. the air. Right. And everybody is like, well, there's no way he meant to do that. Right. Um, yeah. And it's like, if Joe Burrow would have done it, <laughs> right. he, it would be praised for Cody it. Cody right? Washington was saying, if Johnny Manziel throws this throw, exactly. everybody's talking about it for five weeks. Yeah. I, it's that new era that we're in, and I, th- I think there's, like you, you said it best already, Derry, with expectations for LSU fans because I think that's exactly what we're dealing with, and I'm one of them. I started the season before Jamar Chase opted out. I was like, we're 10-0, man. I, I didn't see how our offense was going to take that much of a step back, and now obviously looking at this, our offense did take a step back, and there are some young guys that needed to step up, but the defense, I was not ready at all in my heart to ever see an LSU, I'm sure you pained you as well to see an LSU defense play the way that they did. Um, look, trust, I've, been, I've been on that side of the ball where we gave up a lot of yards, specifically to Darren McFadden and Felix Jones. Oh, but yeah. if oh, people, I was at that now game. I got, my heart's hurting again. <laughs> yeah, so that's exactly what this game felt like, you know? Yeah. That actually, that's a very comparable game, and, I think. And so they, um, and people got to realize we would have lost, you know, two or three games last year if we didn't have Joe Burrow. Um, people soon to forget Texas last year put up a lot of yards against us. Yep, sure um, Florida was in the game against us last year. So 
Ole Miss <laughs> ran for over almost how many God how many rushing yards that they had. So uh, I think yeah. what people have to realize is kind of similar uh, similar expectations down on Miles Brandon, and I I do believe the guy the guy does have an arm, and you can kind of tell he was timid. It was like mm-hmm. my decision has to be the perfect decision, and that's not the case. Just let it rip, Miles. And if you if you if it's incomplete, if it's an interception, it doesn't matter. Just let it rip. Because even if something throws, I can tell he was timid. Like he was thinking too much. Like I have to make sure this is the perfect pass. Have to make sure I make the make the right read. And that's not the case. Just go out there and play football. It's just like riding a bike. We've been doing it since you know most of us since middle school. And I do believe Coach Ogeron is still instilling confidence in Miles Brennan for him to turn this thing around. Yeah, and he still saw guys open. Um, I don't think that was necessarily the part of the problem. Now, guys got to catch the ball. Yeah. Um, if, if you want to give the guy confidence, you catch the ball. Um, and six drops, that's – I don't remember six drops all last year, it felt like. I mean, everybody's catching everything in sight, and then all of a sudden there's drops. Um, what? It, this is my opinion of the absolute best thing for Miles Brennan this week is to get out of Baton Rouge. Um, I know you're playing Vanderbilt, who is it, – it is Vanderbilt. Um, I don't think they're as bad as what people always think Vanderbilt is. But the best thing for him to get out of town, go play a road game, um, refocus a little bit, and maybe get some of that pressure off of you that's, that it feels like a monkey on his back. Um, that's what it felt like Saturday. It was just eerie to watch, um, and it just kind of – I don't know. This didn't make me feel comfortable. I know he wasn't comfortable. He wasn't comfortable in a pocket, that's for sure. Maybe, but maybe this is a get-right game to be on the road. What do you think about being on the road this week and, and how that would help I, his mindset? I totally agree because it's really not a home field advantage. Uh, obviously, with everything going on, you can't, you can't right. pack the stadium. And I don't know if Vanderbilt would have packed the stadium anyway um, <laughs> if he didn't have, have the, uh, the pandemic. They ran going. out of beer last year because of LSU. Because yeah. right. L- LSU fans <laughs> came in, in full force. And, that, and Nashville is a beautiful place to visit. Yeah. It was probably um, like 80-20 last year, LSU fans. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, but I think it's, it's a great situation for him, uh, a great uh, way to gain his confidence and, and kind of gain some momentum back. I know Vanderbilt – and starting a true freshman quarterback. So mm-hmm. if this is if if this was a, a perfect storm for LSU and you were to lose your first game, this is the best game to kind of bounce back. Um, and don't take them lightly. I, I just don't want to say it was Vanderbilt. Definitely because Vanderbilt, again, last year put up a bunch of yards against our defense. Yeah, sure I mean, we had, to, we had we had to score 60 something points. So don't take them lightly, execute the game plan. And the biggest thing I want to see from Miles Brennan is have a screwed mentality. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter if I throw an interception. It doesn't matter if I throw an incomplete. But you know what? I'm going to use this quick release that I was gifted with. I'm going to use this strong arm that I'm gifted with. I'm going to go out there and let it rip. And that's the biggest thing that I want to see from Miles right. I just want to see I, him get I, some swag, man. Yeah, I, I right. think I'm going to make a T-shirt that says Let It Rip Miles. That's it. Now. I, like that. that's <laughs> I think this is the name of this uh, <laughs> episode is going to be Let It Rip. So I like, I like it, too. I like, I like it. That's an old Miles this line, too. That's the thing. It is. That's right. Um so what are your expectations you think for the rest of the season now you know i know i feel like we we still need to see i'm in see it to to believe it mode again um especially out of our defense um when i see that many yards and i see some of the Mm -hmm. technique that was played i need to see Derek stingley in and i need to see us make the adjustments that we needed to make technique wise i love us playing man to man um it reminds it. This game reminded me 
almost in an opposite way of 2005 against Arizona State. Um, the game, the game after Katrina, uh, Bo Pelini's first game, and felt like he was playing a lot of zone on Arizona State, and Arizona State was just picking them apart. Well, I think it was late in the game, and then definitely in the next game against Tennessee, we're playing man-to-man. He, he made his adjustment, and he stuck with it until he left pretty much. But it was man-to-man, aggressive press, uh, press coverage, blitzing like crazy from linebackers. Um, I, I'm, I'm anxious to see kind of if there is an adjustment from one game to the next. But what are your expectations for the season going forward after kind of what we've seen so far? I definitely want to wait to to see when I'm going to gauge my expectations. I don't see how they play against Florida in, in games at the Swamp. Um, yeah. Whether they win or lose their game, on how they play, I think, would gauge, you know, what type of season they would have. If people can remember, Joe Burrow's first year, um, he wasn't that great uh, at, the, at the beginning of the year. You saw some signs. You saw confidence. But guess what? That Auburn game, uh, when, he, when he hit that over route to, to Derek Dillon for that touchdown, yeah. that, that changed the whole complexity, I think, of Joe Burrow and, and the confidence that, that, he, that he had. So I do believe a, a, a test like against Florida University at the Swamp, if they play well, even if they lose their game, um, I can see this team definitely um, finish the year, I would say, 7-3. Seven, Obviously, before the, before the year, before the loss, I would have said maybe 9-1 and 8-2, but obviously losing Mississippi State. I think the only teams that can beat them on this schedule is, is Florida and Alabama, which is almost every – like kind of every year where we play right. Alabama um, in that situation. So, and look, if they go 7-3 with the, the chaos we've had this year, uh, all the, the the pandemic, everything that was going on. And I, after I losing the first game. Right. Right. You know, I think it still would have been if – if you had a full season, look, you're going, what, uh, you know, 9 and 10. 9 and 3, 10 and 3. 10 and 3. Yeah, something like that. And when you bowl against a 10 and season, so that's pretty successful. So, uh, I don't want to see – I think he has to uh, you know, win one of, those, one of those big games, uh, whether Florida or Alabama. But I'm going with the – Set my expectations after I see how they play against Florida, but I'm looking at a seven-three season, um, eight-two um, at, at best. It'd be great if they ran the table. That'd be awesome. So I definitely yeah, would love that. Be as well. hyped. Yeah, he, yeah. Jack's <laughs> gonna take his shirt off of his eight and two. He's gonna run around. Um, I, I just kind of want. I'm hoping we're just competitive in every game. I hope nobody blows us out. Yeah, I, I, like I'm kind of worried that we could get blown out by one of these better teams. I know? mean, I, I'm terrible with predictions this year, obviously, yeah, since yeah. we've already started off about, on the wrong foot. I thought about but, telling you that you need to be in like prediction timeout or something. Prediction timeout, yeah, that's, <laughs> good, that's a good idea. But I, I am, I am, I'm extremely anxious to see how we look on the road because if we if we look really good on the road and really focus, which I actually I just I just think that that's the mindset that this team needs to have right now is to get out of town get away from all those expectations because it's um, it's almost toxic, especially the day after the game uh, Saturday. It, w- it wasn't a great place uh, vibe-wise, and I know these kids look at all the stuff on social media, all mm-hmm. kinds of – everything that's talked about them, they, they're looking at. Um, they, they need a break from that. Like, go, go play on the road. Uh, maybe come back here against Missouri – um, and then, like, you go yeah. on the road again against Florida. I, I love how the Florida and the Auburn trips are both on the road right now because you're going to have limited fans in the stands. You're getting away from Baton Rouge. I didn't even think that that was going to be a, a positive this year, but I, I can already yeah. kind of tell, like, it doesn't – for a guy like Miles Brennan, man, he, he – Well, I just think, 
like he, he would he have been booed. Did. He would have been booed at the end of the game, unfortunately, if there was a no. full house in the stands. No, no, no. He was booed at the end of the right. game. Right. You were there. It, so. and it was ridiculous. I mean, like I heard people saying like TJ Finley. And I mean, we've talked about how TJ Finley's not even the backup, but whatever. Uh <laughs> it's just yeah. I, I think any mistake that Miles Brennan would make in Death Valley, it would just be it would be amplified. He started getting booze. It's like a lot like uh, when Brandon Harris came home for the Jacksonville State game. Yeah. Uh, after the Wisconsin after game. After the Wisconsin the game. At the end of the game. Right. It would be a lot like that, I think. And I think that might start beating up on his mental. Yeah, I just don't want to – I want his confidence to be right. a higher, uh, higher thing. Uh, yeah. Derry, any, any uh, last thoughts that we should probably be looking out for for this, uh, for this game here? I'm, I'm just interested to see any, any adjustments. Uh, look for any adjustment that both league uh, does does make. Um, I do believe if you do see them coming out and opening a game uh, with man, um, that shows me that the, he has confidence in his guys. Um, that's going to instill confidence in his players. Says, you know what? Even though we got burnt last week playing man to man, our coach trusts us to come out against Vanderbilt and man up again and let's get back at it. Because again, they just need to clean up technique. They need to clean up mental errors. It's not it's not a talent issue. These guys are highly recruited, highly ranked. Yeah. Um, great, great skill set. So clean up the technique. So I'm interested. If he comes out playing man again, for me, I think they'd be successful because I, I know those guys are going to be going to be ready and chomping at the bit to get back at it uh, and get back on the field. So it's not. It does, you know, both teams doesn't have to make a drastic change. Just just a little nudge, just a little tweak. And I think they'll be fine. Yeah, and you're not going to be playing as a, explosive as a team as Mississippi State either. I know they do some spread, but it's not the it's not really the same offense. Uh, that you're going to be seeing from Mississippi State with uh, Vanderbilt, but right, that's another thing. Like, no one's going to have that offense again, so we're not going to have to worry about that. Yeah, I, I, I feel like if anybody uh, tries to run the ball against us, um, that's playing into our advantage uh, up front. I feel our front seven, I feel, is is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What did you see from the linebackers, by the way? I, I, I was impressed with uh, with Jabell Cox, right. um, how he picked up the speed of the game. Um, you know, especially transferring in. Uh, to the SEC. I think the inter- interception was a great uh, testament of his skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, he got underneath the dig route, turned his hips, got underneath the receiver and picked the ball off. Uh, I think I got like uh, Damone Clark. He's going to continue to get better at that position, um, at the middle linebacker position. Because uh, mm-hmm. right now I still say he's kind of a tweener. Like he can still, I think, be a, a 3-4 outside linebacker rushing the guy off the edge. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do believe once he comes into that position, he's going to be a great uh, inside linebacker um, as well. So wow. I was impressed with the linebacker. Extremely impressed with Ali Gay. Uh, yes. Anytime you get uh, an edge rusher to disrupt the game, that's a that's a positive. Um, the most important positions in, t- in today's game is obviously the quarterback. And obviously, if you can find that one guy who can get pressure on the quarterback, you you can you put yourself in a position to be successful. I think we found that found that guy in Ali Gay. Right. I agree. Yeah. It it was just it, to me it was just a weird weird game where. Um, you have you have highlights coming from Jacoby Stevens, uh, Jabril Cox, uh, Ali Gay. They're putting putting a lot of pressure on the quarterback. But it was such a weird game that if you didn't get home to the quarterback, then we were giving up a lot of yards right. in the backfield. Right. I've never seen that before. Um, and it's like, man, if Ali Gay didn't get a sack here or like touch the ball. <laughs> like it could be a 20 yard pass um, or a 75 yard pass, or a 75 to yeah. The back. yeah um well great dairy I, I we really appreciate your perspective on all this um i'd love to have you back on again 
uh, during the season if that if that works out. And um, we really appreciate you coming on for sure, man. No, appreciate you guys, man. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Text me, call me anytime, and I'll definitely be available and make myself available to come on. You guys are doing an excellent job, so definitely keep it up. All right, one appreciate other it. thing I want you to do. I want you to give us a plug, and you say, this is Derry Beckwith, and you're listening to One Team, One Podcast. Okay. This is Derry Beckwith, and you're listening to One Team, One Podcast. Awesome. Thank you, man. I got you, and I got Justin Vincent doing that now, so we're good. <laughs> man, look, man, y'all, look, y'all superstars, man. Y'all, you're climbing your way up the ladder. That's right, buddy. That's right. Appreciate (laughs) you, man. Uh, We'll talk to you soon. All right. Appreciate you guys. Have a great evening. All right. Nice talking to you. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, guys. So that was great with uh, Derry Beckwith. Um, Lots of insight on... um, on what he saw last week, I thought that was. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, he he makes me feel comfortable talking yeah. to him, doesn't yeah. he? Mm-hmm. It makes you feel like everything's okay. Yeah, and you know, we <laughs> we we talked about Damone Clark at the very end of that interview, and yeah. uh, one thing we didn't brush up on was that yes, Damone Clark maybe does have a few things here and there, moving from four three four outside linebacker to a four three inside linebacker, but he still led the team in tackles. He, he, still did. Had, I, he had 11 tackles. I didn't see him miss one. Did you see him miss one? No, not necessarily. Remember. And the only misses that I saw were from safeties pretty much, right. safeties and corners. Um, Todd Harris. Yeah. Huh. Didn't nope. have a great one. I, I almost don't even want to talk about Todd Harris because it was so disappointing to see yeah, him miss I, so many tackles. I mean, he's coming off of an injury, ACL obviously. Tear, but yeah. Yeah, uh, it, it, it just, I was really hoping to see him play well. Um, I saw Mo Hampton miss some tackles. Yeah, I mean, Mo I saw Hampton a lot of guys in the back, defensive backfield missing tackles. Um, mm-hmm. Again, it's so surprising to have good defensive line play and good linebacker play and then still give up 623 mm-hmm. yards passing. It's yeah. so weird to me. I've never seen anything like this yeah. before. Yeah. Um, well, he made me feel really good about this. Um, what may make us feel even better is our next guest, uh, Matt Perkins with Believe in Vandy. Uh, he's going to come on and talk a little bit about Vanderbilt, and hopefully this is a get-right game for LSU, but he's going to mm-hmm. give us a little bit of uh, intel on what we can expect, and we have Matt on the line right now. All right, guys, now we're bringing on Matt Perkins with the Believe in Vandy podcast. Matt, how you doing, man? Good, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. I love your work, uh, Believe in Vandy. I think you guys do a great job. Um, I follow your uh, YouTube channel, too. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, because I know you're uh, you're an audio engineer, but also do some video work, right? Yeah, I'm an audio engineer, but I teach filmmaking at the Nashville Film Institute. Um, You know, mostly I teach, you know, uh, film audio, but, you know, I teach film business, documentary production, that kind of stuff as well, film studies. Um, But, you know, I live here in Nashville. My wife and I are season ticket holders for Vandy, baseball, basketball, football. So we're all in on it. I actually went to the University of Wisconsin for my undergrad. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. the Badgers are my the, the Badgers are my number one team. Vandy's my Vandy's my I guess my second or third. Have they played team. each other in any uh, basketball no. or anything like that? No, no. no what would not, you What not, would you do? 
not in the 10 years we've been together. I mean, dude, I'm, I'm a badger at heart. Um, okay. I, you know, there is like, you know, for me, it's like, it's badgers than everybody else. I mean, I grew up as a Syracuse fan actually. Mm. So, um, cause I grew this up in Western New yeah, I grew up in Western New York and Vermont. And so I actually grew up as a Syracuse fan, but I went to Wisconsin. I bleed badger red, uh, went to grad school at UCLA. So I've got, I got a little brewing in me as well. Um, but you know, uh, I know you are all over the, little over the place, but my my wife, my wife, Andy fan, but well, my, how did they fit in? My wife, my wife went to Vandy. And like I said, like we live in Nashville and we go to all the games and you know, I'm, you know, my, my favorite thing in the world is college football, like college football games in person. There's nothing better. And like, even if it's, you know, Vandy, MTSU, whatever, like I would rather go to a college football game in person than do anything else on a Saturday. So, wow, that's awesome. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I'm going to root for the team. My, my wife is a diehard Commodores fan. Like she's the one who really got me into it. So like I have mad props for her for that. And, you know, all of her friends are all of her Vandy friends for the most part. And so we have like a big, we have a big tailgate um, together. We have what's called the star walk here, mm-hmm. um, the star walk in Vandyville before the, uh, before the games. And so we have, not one, but two side by side tents, which is like in the little, in, in the little Vandyville. So, you know, there's probably like 20, 30 of us tailgating every Saturday together before the game. So, you know, and, you know, you need to, before you go watch Vanderbilt football, a lot of times you need to have that little extra tailgating action in there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and so before COVID uh, we were, we were planning on, uh, well, actually we weren't having a game yeah, no, at we Vandy. Supposed to play Vandy yeah. but when it got announced we were hoping that things would work out to where we could actually travel and mm-hmm. go to the games and so we were planning on making maybe making a trip uh and i was just gonna like knock on your door and say hey i'm here um, I, got a, I, got, I got a guest room so okay, if, great. Y'all mind, if, y'all okay, if y'all don't mind sharing a bed i mean that's cool. wednesday well it just depends <laughs> on which positions we're in like back to back right mm-hmm. okay i always i always call little spoon so little yeah. spoon <laughs> yeah i'm more of a big spoon guy so we're very compatible. it'll work out it'll work out that's right so give us a little bit of a rundown on vanderbilt they're they're um their defensive they're leading the nation um with their defensive line it sounds like right so yeah i mean if, if you had listened to anything i said before the season you know that w- that's what was going to happen um it, it it really comes down to this team's deep we knew the offense was going to struggle you know brand new coordinator brand new coordinators on both sides of the ball uh todd fitch on the offense comes over from louisiana tech and you know if you've watched vanderbilt over the last you know in the entirety of Derek mason's tenure they have had like literally the most vanilla offense you've ever seen andy ludwig Andy Ludwig has been the bane of my existence at not one but two schools. He was the Wisconsin <laughs> offensive coordinator under. And then he Mason. came to Vanderbilt. Yep. Oh my god! That's yeah, terrible. man, oh, this is like, like Cam Cameron following yeah, me around. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it, it's like, dude, like he had he he was the only reason that like he was the only person who could keep Melvin Gordon from from running 250 yards yeah. a game. Like he was, it, it was, it was ridiculous. Don't get me started on him. Um, so they, they got rid of him a couple of years ago that they had, an, uh, they had another coordinator last year that they, that they ditched. They had to basically redo the entire staff in the office. Well, is that, is that because it was basically Derek Mason almost saving his job, yes, that, right? That, that's an, exactly what it was. Okay. Um, and so he brings in, you know, most of these schools are, are going to bring in, you know, the young, hot, you know, coordinator at, or young, hot position coach from, you know, maybe a group of five school, maybe a lower level power five school. Uh, Mason went the exact opposite way. Ted Roof and Todd Fitch have combined for more oh, than yeah. 70, 70 years of coaching experience in. Uh, I didn't know Ted Roof was the D coordinator. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So oh. Ted, Ted Roof comes over here. He was at App State last year. Um, and, and, you know, I, I'm a fan. I'm actually a fan of Ted Roof's 
defense uh, in philosophy because I think the thing that he does really well is he is not like one of these dudes like we have to run a three four my scheme or the highway kind of thing. He's like, okay, I'm going to assess what I got and we're going to work with that and I'm going to adapt to the play. So, you know, he knew that they the strength of the team was going to be in the defensive line and you know and in the defensive backs a little bit less and we saw that the defensive line you know anchored by Deo Odiyingbo who mm-hmm. is uh, I think he got double teamed on every single snap against Texas A&M um, which allowed Andre Mintz to just absolutely wreak havoc he was one uh, PFF graded him as, as a top five player in the nation last week uh, for a good reason I, I mean he was in the backfield every single play if you go back and uh, uh, check out my Twitter at Believe in Vandy I was live tweeting the game and like you know I, I was doing notes after every quarter after a lot of the drives it's just like Andre Mintz is in the backfield I, again oh okay you know he just knocked down <laughs> Kellen Mond again he only, he only got credited for one sack but I think he probably got six seven quarterback hits Okay. Because he was just he was he was flying around. He got single team all day, and they weren't ready for him. And which kind of surprised me a little bit. Texas A and M had a starts an offensive line with four seniors, you know, guys who've seen a lot of football, and they weren't ready for it. Because what Roof does really well is that he puts his playmakers in position to make a play. And you know, just before the game came out, it was announced that Dimitri Moore, starting inside linebacker, you know, borderline first round pick in the NFL la- for next for next season wasn't going to play. Now, it's not the level of y'all using, losing Derek Stingley, but that's pretty much the equivalent we have. He's the best player on our defense, and he didn't even play, and we still held Texas A&M to 17 points. So right. that, um, was, that was really impressive. Now, the thing that, you, that we knew a little bit coming into it but was really exposed was the, the lack of speed in the defensive backs. And mm-hmm. most of the game, Vandy was coming out playing a 4-2-5, which is what you need to do against a team like Texas A&M. But they also, that's just their best 11 players. And the guy that really impressed me uh, in the defensive backfield was true freshman, um, was true freshman Donovan Kaufman, who's from Metairie, Louisiana. Yeah, actually, yeah. he uh, he's the guy who went to Archbishop Rummel. Right, and he, you know, he comes out there. He, hey, he's wearing the number one jersey as a freshman, which has I don't think has ever happened before. What's the symbol? What's the uh, significance of the number one? It's it's just it's usually bestowed on you know a, a guy who's a true difference maker. Okay. Um, and it, it's usually an upperclassman, and he's the first freshman to wear number one in twenty five years, probably at okay. least. Wow. It's a long time. Um, we've seen a couple other guys, you know, a couple other notable players wear it in the past, but he's he's the guy, and he's I actually had him on my show back in June, and the thing I actually really liked about him was he he came in. I was like, okay, you know, what what are your expectations for freshman year? It's like my expectations are number one to make the dean's list. I'm like, okay, you don't yeah, usually like hear that, that guys. Yeah. And number two, Typical Vandy. <laughs> number two, first team All SEC. I'm like, okay, you, you got go. you know you, you got you got your you know not not you know uh, all freshman team, not you know not you know playing time. No, like first team All SEC. And like he's got the mindset and he lays the wood. Man, he yeah, comes yeah. and lays the wood. Now he now he got burned. He got burned by Nia Smith and and Spiller. He t- he took a couple bad angles because you know when you you know when you get into the sec you're not really quite ready for that speed at first mm-hmm. but you know we he, saw he came down he was the third leading <laughs> he was the third leading tackler on the team for the game and 
he does he, he really came in and set the tone and from the defensive backfield and with a couple with a bunch of opt-outs that they'd had especially in the defensive backs he knew he was gonna get some playing time as sort of like a a third safety nickel hybrid type and he was all over the field and he played really really well um so uh, you know the thing that really hurt me on this defense was uh Dante Carrier Williams uh DCW he's a guy who actually started his career at Wisconsin played it as a true freshman at Wisconsin which is very rare they redshirt everyone um and he's been at Vandy the last two years he had a lot of nagging injuries last year but you know he, he got burned on a couple of routes uh okay I, I was a little disappointed to see that he you know and I, I thought he was going to be a guy who could really be a difference maker this year he's going to really need to buck up because I think we're going to see a lot of him against Terrence Marshall which scares me yeah so about Donovan Kaufman go back to him uh I actually have a pretty interesting story you I don't know if you know this or not uh so they played Rummel played against Catholic High where I went to high school uh in the state championship this past year and uh Catholic High takes the lead with, I think, like maybe a minute to go. Uh, and on the kickoff, uh, we, had, uh, we had Gabe Fertitta, Catholic High's head coach. Uh, and he was on the podcast. Asked, yeah, yeah, we asked him about it, and, uh, about this next, about the kickoff. Um, and he says that if it was up to him, they wouldn't have kicked off because that would have been, meant you kick off to Donovan Kaufman. Yeah. So, Something happens. He doesn't know that they're about to kick off, and the kickoff goes, and he just sees the ball go up straight to Donovan Kaufman, and, of course, he returns it for a touchdown. Of course. Uh, to win the state championship, basically. Of course. Yeah, yeah but it sounds like he's a dog. Yeah. Well, um, not, not only is he exactly. a dog, his mentality – I mean, his, his mental acuity at, at 18 years old is ridiculous. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, you know, everyone's going to talk about Ken Seals and his debut as a true freshman – Kaufman's going to be the one who's the, who's actually more important to the team in the long run because I think he's a guy he's a talent on the defensive side of the ball that we haven't seen come in in a long time to Nashville because you know we, it's it's rare that you get the four star kids coming to Nashville yeah. to begin with but especially if it is a four star it's usually a skilled player on the offense it's not you know it's not someone on the defense and not someone who's going to make that early impact especially so that's going to be really important now on the flip side the offense for uh, for the Commodores, obviously, the talk of the town is Ken Seals, true freshman, comes in, wins the starting job against uh, two JUCO transfers and uh, Mike Wright, who is a four-star dual threat coming out of high school in the Atlanta area. But I thought it was going to be Danny Clark. I was I was swearing up and down. I said all summer it's going to be Danny Clark. It's going to be Danny Clark. Used to be quarterback at Kentucky. Went the JUCO route. Now is at Vanderbilt. Big lefty, six four, two thirty five. Can run it a little bit. And I I I would have bet anything I had that he was going to be the opening day starter. Um, and I was wrong. I was very, very wrong. It ends up being, it ends up being Ken Seals and, you know, especially for him, I think that was especially significant for him to play at Texas A&M in his first game. He's from Fort Worth. So, you know, and, and he's a guy who I, I think the one thing about him is because they had no, really no spring ball and they had a new uh, Todd Fitch coming in with a new spread system. Everybody's well, on the same. Yeah. Exactly. He's been, he's been playing the spread his entire life. You know, th those kids are playing in like fourth grade out there yep. in Texas, I feel. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he's used to making these half field reads and being able to, you know, you know, one, two check down uh, really fast. And whereas opposed to a guy like Mike Wright, who was technically higher rated coming out of high school. Well, you know, he's been doing a lot of read option, a lot of RPO stuff. He's not doing the, you know, the, the same spread stuff that they're doing uh, with Todd Fitch. So you know, he was really accurate. He was really poised. Um, 
you know, numbers aren't going to jump off the page. You 20 for 29, good completion percentage, but man, like 158 yards, like that, that that's not going to cut it. Short but, passes. It sounds like Drew Brees a little bit. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's Drew Brees, but we don't have a Michael Thomas. I mean, y'all don't either right now. We didn't either. Um, but uh, the thing that impressed me the most with him is after his first interception, um, he has uh, he has Cam Johnson, who's the number one returning receiver from last year, uh, is supposed to is is operating out of the slot. It's supposed to run is supposed to run a post, and he instead he runs a fly route. But he but seals throw the post, and it gets picked by the safety. Mm-hmm. You know, Cam Johnson, upperclassman. Uh, you know the the most notable offensive player offensive skill position player that they had seals walks right up to him on the sideline and choose him the f out as, as wow. a true freshman and that what that tells me as a fan and as an armchair psychologist that you know he doesn't you know he doesn't care who you are he's gonna yeah. he is taking up the mantle of leadership that's really necessary for this team especially after we saw what 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 transpired last year on the quarterback position they brought back zero players who would taken a snap at Vanderbilt uh, at quarterback zero quarters were even on the roster last year um, are on the roster this year so that that tells me that he he did something in camp that really made him pop and step above and beyond so he obviously was not afraid um, and it was really good for them to get Amir Abdur Rahman back who was out injured last year he is a burner on the edge as a receiver and he's going to be the the difference that's the I, receiver I, that you were talking this, about. There was the the, there, there's like a really good receiver. There, number two. Was, number two. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's him. <laughs> okay. So we, we're assuming that with Stingley being back, Stingley will be on your best receiver. So John. Um, so 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 Johnson nominally is the best receiver. He's the he was he's the biggest threat coming back. Now he only had like one or two catches here in that in that in that first game. They were using him more as a decoy. But I think that um, uh, Amir uh, Amir Durrahman, aka Two Real Amir, um, which is all of his social. Uh, yeah, he's that's all the social media handles. He's the guy that you got to worry about, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think that with Stanley back, I would not be surprised if they adjusted the game plan to have him covering um, uh, uh, Amir because he's going to be he was clearly the preferred target for seals I think like half of his passing yards and his only touchdown went to Amir okay there you go so we're very very interested in this game obviously because you know we're we're coming off of a really tough loss for us mm-hmm. this was this was not I expected it. I watched right? it and I know we were all sending messages back and forth in our group um it was not expected from us at all. And, you know, a lot of the talk around town has been about Miles Brennan, but the biggest focus should be about the defense and their performance in the, in the defensive backfield. Now losing Stingley was an issue, obviously Um, it's come, it's come out this week that not only obviously did we lose Stingley the night before and we had to change our game plan a little bit, but we also had to move guys into different positions. We had, Cordell Flott uh, was supposed to be – he was practicing uh, nickel all week. Uh, the night before the game, they were saying, hey, you got to move out to the outside and you're on the boundary. Mm-hmm. Well, you had uh, Jay Ward wasn't even supposed to play because he apparently has a meniscus tear or right. something like that. Was it a right. tear? Uh, it, yeah, it was a menisc- meniscus tear, and he had surgery on it. He had surgery. He's not ready to like be out there yet. The well, guess what? You need to suit up now because we need you. Right, and then he didn't even start. They started Darren Evans – because they didn't want to put Jay Ward in. Darren Evans had only been with the team for 10 Dar- days. He Darren just transferred Evans, from Nichols. He just transferred from Nichols. Wasn't even supposed to be out there. Mm-hmm. And you, there's a couple of highlight clips where it shows 
him playing uh, he's this poor kid he's getting eaten up on this one they show him playing press uh yeah, press coverage on a wide receiver uh just for a t- one of the touchdowns and he doesn't bump him he just lets the wide receiver free release and come off of him that's a problem and it's like that's not right. good and that this is dbu like right. yeah. it was embarrassing for us mm-hmm. as I, lsu and i'm sure our defense was fairly embarrassed as well what what do you think is going to be the response going to Vandy, um, letting out maybe a little frustration. Uh, do you see that happening at all, or I think it's a combination. I think it's a combination of a couple of things. A, it's a homecoming for Jacoby Stevens. Um, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, Jacoby I know you're huge on him because he's a Nashville guy. Well, yeah, yeah, he, yeah he's from Murfreesboro technically, which right. is you know just outside right. of Nashville. South, right. Um, one of my closest friends, the host of Believe in Georgia Dogs, actually was one of his high school coaches. Oh, um, great for for a little bit yeah um and he you know he is still beloved by a lot of people in and around nashville like a lot of people were so happy that lsu won last year because of jacoby because he's just no like he's he's beloved around here and so um i mean i've i've had the good fortune haven't gotten to meet him a couple times um uh and he was always so kind and so gracious and i was he just really impressed me as a kid like i met him when he was like 15 and He oh, was he was like, big time as a young as a young high schooler, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. He was he was he was big time, and like my buddy Corey, he he told me he's like, dude, this kid is gonna be like, he's gonna be the dude. He's gonna be yeah. the dude, and he's gonna have his pick of any school in the country he can go to. And so, um, you know, I was I actually got to hang out with him another time. Uh, I got to see him another time at a, at a camp. It was just a couple of weeks before he committed. And he already knew in his mind who's going to LSU, but he hadn't said that publicly. And but he was saying like, he's like, yeah, I know where I'm going to school. And we all kind of like nudge our elbows. We're like, you're going to LSU, aren't you, man? You're going to LSU. <laughs> like, yeah. you're, you're a DB. You got to go to DBU. So, um, but I think, I, I think for this weekend, I, I think that while I, the thing I, I, I think that I think I would worry about if I was an LSU fan, hey, I, you're not going to lose. I don't think you're going to lose this game to Vanderbilt. I mean, th- there's a maybe like, even saying Vandy has a puncher's chance, like a 5% chance to win this game might even be overstating a little bit because of that, not, not that revenge factor, just getting the frustration out. But I think that Todd Fitch may, if he sees that you guys are being overly aggressive, he can take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the real question is, will Ken Seals be able to make the throws and keep up with the speed, the defensive speed off the edge? Because even in, you know, even in the loss last week, there were some guys who, um, there, there were some guys in your team that still, you know, stood out uh, definitely in right. uh, on the edge. Um, yeah, for sure. And- the only the only problem is they had we just had this discussion with our with our LSU uh, former linebacker Derek Beckwith with they had to get home like they had to they had to get to the quarterback. If yeah. they didn't get to the quarterback, it was. 20 to use like you yeah. said 75 yard passes right down yeah. the field down um, to Hill. yeah and it, it, what we were what we had said for post game basically when we when we came on um was the the type of defense that we were playing and the guys that we were putting out there and the amount of space that these wide receivers were getting against us which is not common well yeah, I think thing just as as a person who also a you know I had Dave Aranda as my coordinator for a while, um, oh, so right. like I I feel like I feel like we Wisconsin fans weren't even like that mad when he left because y'all were paying him so much more than we were paying oh, him. Sure, yeah. Um, but we 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 felt like you know everyone always had was like, what is, what the heck is Dave Aranda going to do with SEC athletes? Because like it's gonna be it's gonna be absurd. And well, you guys know, 
Bo Pelini made zero in-game adjustments. Yes, like zero. That, that's one they of our. They played man. One of our biggest. They problems. played man the entire game, yeah. even when they kept getting beaten in man. So we and just so, talked to Derry Beckwith though about this because he actually played under Pelini. We asked him mm-hmm. a, a couple of these questions, and one of the, one of the comments that he made was was pretty telling to us, saying, you know, you, you got a lot of young guys that you were playing in that defensive backfield. Um, zone isn't easy to play. Uh, these guys may know how to play man and they better than they knew how to, to play zone, uh, which is an obvious issue, uh, of course, uh, that they couldn't make an adjustment like that. And apparently they did play, tried to play a little bit at the end, but it was just too late at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, Leach was kind of picking them apart. But yeah, what we were saying was if you're going to play that style of defense, um, Ali Gay, defensive end coming off the edge, if he doesn't get there, then obviously it's it's going to be a pass to an open receiver. But you also probably need to bring pressure up the middle. Um, you need to have like a Jacoby Stevens uh, blitzing up the middle. You need to do some things not only to um, put pressure on the quarterback, but also be in his face, right. uh, uh, mess with the throw. We saw one that was uh, Neil Farrell blocked the, blocked the pass at the line of scrimmage. If he didn't block it, it was a touchdown. Yeah. The guy was wide open down the field. And it's like, thank God he blocked the right. pass. Um, but – I, th- I think there's going to be some adjustments there, but I think they're going to be probably relying on Stingley as also locking just, down the one side is, of the field. It's just going to be better, you know, because of because Stingley. Stingley's in the game, so he can play in. He can play outside. <sighs> Flock can come back inside where he's more comfortable. Jay Ward's going to be not coming directly off of a uh, meniscus tear. Yeah, and I, there's you know, a lot of things so that are tell us be about better. Vanderbilt's offense and how we compare. I know it's a spread offense. How does it compare to like a, a Mississippi State a little bit? Well, um, I mean, it's it, it, it's it's not it's not air raid in the same way as, as Mississippi State's is. They're not, you know, Vanderbilt's also not getting the running backs involved in the passing game uh, because I don't think there's ever been a running back at least since like maybe maybe my podcast partner Zach Stacy, you know, yeah, right. was there that that, that that could do something out of the backfield like that. But, um, you know, it, it is, you know, I, I don't think Vanderbilt has set up a successful either screen or flare or anything to a running back in like seven years since Derek Mason got <laughs> So okay. I, I don't think you have to worry about that. And you also don't have to – We now we – the other thing is that Vandy doesn't have the offensive line to let a lot of that stuff develop. Um, even okay. a lot of those quick passes. Like Vanderbilt started Drew Birchmeyer at right guard. Last Tuesday, Drew Birchmeyer was a defensive lineman. Mm. Yep. Okay. <laughs> now he held up. He, he held up admirably. You know, the, as an offense, they held up. The offensive line held up admirably. They only allowed two sacks against Texas A&M, who has a decent defensive front. But they had no push in the run game whatsoever. Like zero push. Every single rushing yard that was obtained by a Vanderbilt running back between Javian Marlowe um, and, uh, and and Jamari Wakefield was because they were able to make guys miss and like i I don't think there was a single run where they had uh where 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 a guy was not hit by a texas a&m defender more than less than or more than two yards beyond the line of scrimmage every single hit was you know at the line of scrimmage behind the line of scrimmage maybe one yard downfield Mm -hmm. and they, they, they had to start shaking off guys so they didn't develop any holes in the running game and which you know made more and more of a burden on seals and seals seals is accurate but he doesn't have the big arm yet that that we saw and when they did take shots downfield they just didn't work 
Um, there were a couple, there, there were a couple we had where, where typically Amir would be able to beat a guy, um, but they just didn't have the timing because, you know, true freshman quarterback with abbreviated fall camp and a new system is not, you know, they, they have nothing there in terms of continuity whatsoever. And so I think that, you know, offensively, they're going to, you know, I think that Fitch does a good job scheming around the deficiencies, but there's a lot of deficiencies. Like, the entire left side of the offensive line opted out. Okay. Jeez. Like, you know, I mean, like I said, like, you know, they're pulling guys over from the defensive line to start. Yeah. Like, it, 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 you know, it, for like a week before. And Drew Birchmeyer, like, he held up admirably, man. Like, I like kudos to him. Like, if, if I had a game ball, I would have given it to him because he, like, like, dude, like, he just started playing offensive line last week. Mm-hmm. He started and he did not give up any sacks or any pressures. Wow. Like he was fantastic. He was absolutely fantastic. And they can't ask for any better from him, obviously. No, but they also played, you know, they had to play eight true freshmen last week as well. And at Vanderbilt, Lord knows the true freshmen aren't the same true freshmen that y'all are getting. Like, <laughs> so, like, so uh, one of the so things like, that we'll, we'll like, we'll I just want to say, like, I'm terrified. I'm terrified of Ali Gay this week. I'm absolutely terrified because yeah. I, I, I'm terrified that him and Jabril Cox and Jacoby Stevens coming up the middle are just going to punish these dudes. Texas, A&M, Texas A&M was, you know, they didn't really adapt either. They were, and they were sloppy as heck. They were sloppy as all. Yeah. Man. Yeah. They fumbled the ball five times and Van kill him on. We'll them. get to kill him on in a second. It's just my, 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 probably my worst take of all time. You, you, we'll get back to that in a minute. <laughs> Because <laughs> I think I think I think I know the take. Oh, so let's yeah, let's talk about the offensive side for LSU, defensive side for Vanderbilt a little bit. Um, Baton Rouge is in a tizzy over uh, Miles Brennan uh, this week. Um, there's a lot of expectations from t- 2019 that are carrying over. I, honestly, I have a lot of those too, um, but I'm not crushing the kid as much as as others um, anymore. It, well, you were over the weekend. <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm more I was more concerned about the defense. The defense was right. the problem of that game, not not necessarily the offense. Miles Brennan didn't look good. Um, he had good stats at the end of the game, but mm-hmm. um, from what our perspective, well, my perspective was that he was scared in the pocket. Um, maybe pressure was just too much for him right now, and he needs he needs some get right games. Um, and one of the things that I've been big on is the best thing for Miles Brennan right now is to get out of town and go to Nashville. Um, and that could be the best thing for him to get out of Baton Rouge specifically because it's just not a great place for him right now as far as confidence-wise and maybe mental set. Um, but what I'm worried about is our offense trying to run the ball too much to get pressure off of Miles Brennan and it puts us back in third and longs because if your defensive line is good enough um, that's kind of what I'm worried about is maybe your defensive line pushing up against our offensive line uh, what are your thoughts on that yeah I mean I wanted to know what y'all thought about the offensive line and their in their performance against Mississippi yeah, State I didn't think it was great um, yeah. but I do think that there was plenty of opportunity for Miles Brennan to make a throw and he either held onto the ball too long right. or he ran out of the pocket when he didn't have pressure on him. There was a couple of times where I saw him do that, where he needs to make a decision and he needs to make a quicker one. And that's what we saw all of last year out of Joe mm-hmm. Burrow. And that's kind yeah. of what was like, wow, you know, this is – the guy is wide open. Mm-hmm. Like, you, they, we showed – there was a few clips of that where you have an open receiver and he was just tentative with the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's – 
I don't know if that's him. I mean, he's a four, he's a four year player. Right. Like he's a four year player. He's not a freshman. This should have been something that he can at least make a throw. If you make a bad throw, I can, uh, I can live with that, but like at least make the throw. Don't hold on to the ball in the pocket. Yeah. And I mean, that's going to be Vanderbilt's best chance. The, 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 the best chance is going to be to leverage that straight. That might be the one matchup where they have, the, you know, the talent slash skill advantage is mm-hmm. defensive line versus, uh, versus y'all's O-line. Because, yeah. you know, if, and if he's going to hold on to the ball, like uh, Odi Yingbo and Mintz are going to be in the backfield. Both yep. those guys proved against last week, even if even getting double teamed pretty much the whole game, Odi Yingbo was a factor. And he is, uh, he's a guy that is going to be, if he's, if he's single blocked, he's going to get in the backfield every time. Um, he's, he's a really, really good, long athlete. Um, and he is, you know, he's some of the, he, he's got some really good moves and he's got really violent hands and which is something you love to see. Mince is more of a tank. He's like thick. Like coming off the edge, like he's he's listed at six three. He might be a little closer to six one, but he's just one of those dudes. Like he looks on low the leverage like, kind of guy getting yeah, over the edge. He, yeah, yeah. He he looks. You know, he reminds me of Elvis Dumerville. If you remember him from yeah. uh, from we actually uh, have uh, Elvis Dumerville's cousin Marcus Dumerville is on our team. Like he's a like true freshman left tackle. Yeah, um, uh, Elvis Dumerville was you know maybe a, a hair over six feet tall, but he yeah. used that leverage crazy, and, and that's just like Draymond's and. I think that those two guys will be able to get in the backfield. And if he's holding onto the ball for longer than two and a half seconds, you know, it, it's going to be a problem. Now, what I'm terrified of is Terrence Marshall and the speed of the, of the playmakers on the Bayou Bengals, because the, the biggest issue that this defense has is speed in the secondary. Mm-hmm. There were multiple times where Texas A&M was able, able to rip off a couple of big plays because guys took bad angles and they just don't have the foot speed. They don't have guys back there who are running four fours. Like those guys all back there are running four sixes. And yeah. it, it, that makes a gigantic difference. It makes a gigantic yeah. difference. Well, in the, in the second half of the game, what I started thinking about too was, man, we still have dudes on the, on, on the wide receiver, tight end. I mean, you saw Eric Gilbert, true freshman. Like we got some guys out there. And they're still running free, um, and we just need somebody that can get them the ball. Um, what, but, again, I'll go back to what I, I, I've been hearing this a lot, and not just from, like, I mean, I think they're going to try to run the ball and put Miles Brennan in some third and short situations. But what I could see is that easily backfiring because our offensive line isn't good enough to get a push. And, we, it, honestly, our run game last week was extremely vanilla. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, we just didn't try to run it off tackle or anything. Yeah, we didn't do anything outside. It was, it was, it was like zone blocking up the yeah. middle. Mm-hmm. And um, you got you got a couple of backs that are pretty explosive that you yeah. didn't get in space at all. Um, so I, I'm interested to see how they do that. And if it's but if it's just plain old vanilla, run the ball up the middle and you don't you get stoned and all of a sudden it's a third and long. I don't like that right now. Um, I don't think Miles has the uh, confidence to to get it done and talk and we'll, we'll switch gears to a, a, a prediction time because uh, I predicted Miles Brennan to be first team all SEC. So <laughs> that one's changed. <laughs> um, what, what, what were your, um, what were some of your predictions that kind of already got off kilter? Cause I have a few. I said that 
the quarterback I wanted most, if I could have any SEC quarterback, I would take Kellen Mond. <laughs> I said on uh, our, our, our friends over um, at SEC Bias. SEC Bias, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I referred to the entire time I referred to uh, Florida's quarterback as Kyle Trash. Right. <laughs> and I said that I would take Kellen Mond over him every day of the week and twice on Saturday. Wow. And um, that's going to end up on freezing cold takes really soon. <laughs> well, I'll be right with you. Um, so, so, so right that, before, that, that, that's probably my biggest one. That, that that's my biggest regret already. And I like I oh, I, I message Kate and I apologize to her. I'm just like I am so sorry. <laughs> I am so sorry. Like I feel so ashamed. Like you know, like you deserve to like block me on social media for that. Um, my, that is so bad. My QB rankings that I made in May were actually are turning out pretty well. Are they? Yeah. So what were they? Like, my top three was uh, Kyle Trash. Um, yeah. Trash. Here we go. It's so yeah. easy. It's so yeah, it's easy. I, I, literally, slip. I heard you say, it and then it just came out of my mouth. Uh, so I had Trask at three, uh, Costello at two, and then Mac Jones at one. Okay, that's it's, not bad. It's, yeah. kinda, it's holding up. Yeah, that's holding pretty good. Um, I had before Jamar Chase opted out. I had LSU at ten and zero. Uh, <laughs> Miles Brennan, first team All SEC, and I'm um, I'm just. This game shocked me because of Miles Brennan a little bit with – I just felt like he wasn't ready to play. Uh, and I don't know where that came from. Um, this kid has been in this program for a long time. and I mean, he was an Elite 11 kid in high school too. Yeah, like, he's, got, you know, he's got the arm strength. He's got all he, that. He's the same high school class as Tua. And, like, uh, he was the same high school class as, I think, what, Tua – and uh, there were a bunch of uh, uh, Felipe Franks, Felipe Franks, yeah, a bunch yeah. of those dudes. Because like, that was the uh, Felipe Kelly Franks, Mon. yeah, mm-hmm. Mon, yeah. Yep. Felipe Franks had um, committed to LSU. Um, Brennan backed off, and then Franks flipped, and then Brennan came back. Right. And that's he dodged the bullet it, there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, or did we? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I mean, no, we did. <laughs> we, yeah, you, we did. You, you, you did. Probably don't because Burrow probably doesn't transfer if if he signs. Oh, that's oh, true. That's a really good point. That's actually. true. Um, so I we I was expecting a lot more from him. Um, you know, the scheme is still in place. The offensive scheme. You still got guys out there. I just if we had a, if we had a quarterback that can get him in there. I mean, that doesn't do anything for the 623 passing yards he gave up. But um, the we're, we were just talking about this. The expectations from LSU fans, including myself, are um, completely spoiled from last year. Um, and it's going to take, I think, some time to kind of like adjust your eyes again. It took us time from 2018 to 2019. Uh, it took us like to the Texas game to adjust our eyes and say, Oh, oh, we we can just outscore people this year. I still, I still hadn't adjusted yet. Yeah, okay, you haven't adjusted that. <laughs> I still hadn't. So well, now at that, at I'm going to be. I still hadn't. You know, it's a little bit. It's a. It's deflated now. Obviously, my balloon has been deflated. Uh, but it's surprising how many people um, uh, save your tweets from oh yeah, a month really or so is. ago. These Mississippi State fans, and they've been all this. over us, man. For this past week, you know all what? Over you know, they, 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 there's not a whole lot else to do in Stark Vegas besides, you know, yeah, save other people's true. tweets. So, oh yeah, really no. When we were on, much. when we were on SEC Bias, we uh, we pulled up a whole list of uh, Skip Bertman quotes about Starkville. Yes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> a tornado came and uh, caused a million dollars worth of improvements. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I like that a lot. When they, he said, whenever they uh, stay in Starkville, they ask for a room without a view. 
<laughs> All right. So, Matt, what are your predictions for the game? Do you have a score or anything like that you're ready to give? Okay. So, well, uh, the uh, betonline.ag, who is sponsor of yeah. Believe in Vanderbilt uh, football podcast, has LSU favored by 20 points in this right. one. That feels about right. Last week, I like I would have I, I may have put a little money down on uh, Vanderbilt plus 30 and a half because I knew That's the great. Vanderbilt defense was not like. I knew the Vandy defense was uh, was going to hold up. I did not think – I wasn't even sure if Texas A&M was going to be able to score like 35 points, and I figured they'd get at least one garbage time touchdown. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I could have taken that back, te- took, taken that to the bank like the first quarter because Texas A&M looks so bad. Um, but 20 points – see, I'm, I'm, I feel like it's one of two things is going to happen. LSU is either going to win like, like 24 to 17-ish, or they're going to win like 56 to 10. It's going to be one or the other. There's, I, I don't see, like, a 20-point game. I see, like, a 40-point game or, like, a 7-point game. Um, the Vandy fan in me wants to say that, you know, this is going to be, you know, a real close one. But, man, um, I think that I, I just – I'm so terrified of, of Terrence Marshall because I just see him torching these dudes left and right. I'm so terrified of Eric Gilbert. I'm – you know, and I, I'm worried that if they, they they realize that they are just so much faster on the edge and they're able to get the, the ball into the hands of those guys that it's going to be a long day for those guys I love in the Vanderbilt secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess I'm going to have to be pretty tepid with this one. I'm going to go LSU 47 to 17. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, you know, because there is – a lot of Vandy fans are uh, uh, have been a little too high in their horse about a moral victory. There aren't moral mm-hmm. victories. I'm sorry. They're, they're, right. It's SEC football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's SEC. It's SEC football. Like, great job. Like, you you stay within five to a Texas A&M team that that tried to give the game to you. I mean, yeah. Do you feel like Texas A&M played really, really, really bad? They were or... garbage. Okay. They were absolutely garbage i don't know what they were doing with their personnel i i mean their special teams like i love like anaya smith is a guy that scares me he made two gigantic boneheaded mistakes in this play on uh first drive first drive of the game vanderbilt goes down scores a field goal kicks off he fumbles the kickoff in the end zone he's like seven yards deep and he, then he picks it up and runs it out after that <laughs> he gets tackled at the 12 Mm-hmm. at the 12 and so they have a you know which you know then they go three and out have a sh- you know short field Vanderbilt doesn't convert on that then they you know and then a, a couple drives later they're punting and he catches it again Smith catches it in the end zone decides to return it they get an illegal block in the back in the end zone everybody knows that's a safety Wait, he um, caught a punt in the end zone he caught a punt in the end zone like not just like in the end zone. <laughs> I've never heard of that like four yards deep in the end zone and decides to try to run it out. Dude, and have you ever heard of that? Mm-mm. No, and it was, it was so ridiculous. I'm like, cause they were just like giving us points at that point. Yeah. And so, you know, it, and it was like, it was bad. It was a bad block in the back. It wasn't even close. Uh, like, you know, I, I don't know what they were thinking there. So, you know, giving us the ball. But, you know, what, what worries me is that there, A, Vandy missed a couple <laughs> kicks. V- Vandy missed a couple kicks that could have, you know, kept it, uh, kept it in the game or even, you know, well, I should say he missed one kick, but, you know, it makes that kick. It's a two-point game, um, and, and it's a different story. But they didn't capitalize on a lot of the opportunities. There were, you know, they Vanderbilt as a team did only, you know, only put up 200 and 
55 total yards. Okay. Like, it's not a lot. Like, I mean, they got outgained 372 to 255. Um, and I'm just I, – I, I'm worried that if LSU goes up – if LSU goes up two scores early, man, and, and they're not as sloppy as Texas A&M, they're going to be in for a long day because once, you know, once Ali Gay can pin his ears back, it's going to be all over. Uh, so, Jack, what do you have? Do you, do you have a uh... – I'm kind of going like – 41 to 13 type game. Yeah, it feels like that. If, if it feels I, like that. I'm, am I the most conservative think, of all three of us? A, I think Seals throws a couple picks. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm 34 to 17 LSU. I have to now see it to believe it. I am, I've been from one extreme to the, to the highs to the highs to the lows of the lows. Yeah, okay. Last week, uh, we were given our score predictions for the Mississippi State game and his score was 45, 45 to 13. My score was 41 to 17. And he told me I was a psychopath for not <laughs> thinking LSU was going to win by more when our scores were so similar. Uh, I would just, uh. I really, I had some, I had some really high expectations and um, I was brought down to reality, like I said. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm very interested to see what happens this week. 34 I've, to 17. I can see that though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could, I, I, I could see that. If that happens, though, it's because Vandy has at least one defensive score. Well, last year you had two. So, yeah. or, or basically two. Um, if, if not, um, I, I think that's the only – or, like, some of this sets up a couple – like, a really short field because I think it's going to be tough to have sustained ADR, you know, 75 ADR drives. I just I, – it's going to be tough just with the talent gap. Yeah, I'm worried about the defensive backfield, not Stingley, obviously. Stingley's going to be on an island by himself, and I'm fine with that. I'm worried about anybody else that's covering right now. Um, oh, I, don't, I disagree. I think Elias Ricks is ready. I really do. He, he looked – I mean, he, he looked good on that play. Uh, that He looked good the whole game, in my opinion. He had the one play where he tried to undercut it. But, I mean, it was a rub route. and you So, know, you feel like, like Elias Ricks is going to be your starting – I, I think he's the okay. guy opposite Stingley, and I think which he's is a, the number I, one cornerback out of the country. So I think he's already a stud too. <sighs> I'm seeing it to believe it mode. I need to see it now. Well, so Elias Ricks is uh, rated as the I think number eight corner in the country according to PFF. Okay. So this will be interesting. We, we'll love to have you back on again, Matt. So anytime, um, anytime, happy to do it. You guys just have it. to come on my show at some point too. That's so. right. So believe in Vandy, guys. You go check him out. Um, we'll do this had, again uh, for sure. I had Derek Mason on yesterday, not coach Derek Mason, but former. Oh, Titans receiver guy. Derek Mason. Receiver That's right. Derek Mason. I'm, I'm texting That's my friend tricky. Derek Mason on. They're like, uh, they're like, wait, what? He has time to like have do a podcast with you? I'm like, wrong Derek Mason, dude. This Derek Mason's youngest child just went off to college and he's bored as hell. Hey, so, so next time we come, if we come to Nashville, we're gonna have to set it up to where me, me and Jack come to Nashville. We play golf with you and Nate Bargatze. Can we make that happen? I think we can. I think we can. Uh, we're we're trying to right now. We're trying to set up a, uh, we're we're trying to set up a, a live a live pregame show and game watch with Nate. So. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, you're I sure can't. you don't want hey, to go to Nashville this weekend? Hey, my, yeah, not my this wife. Week, not this week. Not this weekend. If it okay. does happen, I'm going to let you guys know and make sure you guys have tickets. So. My wife okay. doesn't listen. I have three podcasts that I do right now. She ha- she doesn't listen to any of them, right? Uh, she's just like, whatever. You just go in your room, do whatever. You, wait, are, are you sure we're not married to the same woman? Because well, probably, I, yeah. I have, three, I have three podcasts. Maybe they just need to connect to and do their own so. podcast or something. Is, she, um, wait, is, she, is, is your wife a teacher? No, she's not. She's not. She likes to tell me what to do, but she's not a teacher. Um, but whenever you had Nate Bargatze, I was like, Hey, uh, we, we have a, a podcast uh, friend that's having Nate Bargatze on. She goes, 
I'll listen to that one. <laughs> that show did huge numbers. That show did huge numbers. Oh, so. that did. Bet. That guy's fantastic. It was great. Love he was him. amazing. He's he, one of my favorites. He could not have been more generous with his time too. Like we hung out for like at least an hour and a half. Just okay. kicking oh, that's it. Awesome. Like he was awesome. He was. So I listen great. to his show every now and then too. It's good. Yeah. So. yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, he's one of the few. It, He's one of the few comedians that I actually like go back and listen to. Again. Oh, you, and you know the same jokes yeah, and it's yeah, still it's funny all the same stuff. And it's just still delivery is great. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it, it's, it's so great. I, I just, I, I love his, his delivery method. Like, Cause his big thing, it's like, he's not just trying to like build up to something. Like he just, he's always has like the little jabs, like the little laughs in there the whole time <laughs> along. It's so great. So yeah. Um, well, yeah, great, dude. We appreciate this. Um, and uh, hopefully we don't run the ball against your defensive line. That's kind of what I'm hoping. Yeah, well, uh, we, we appreciate it. We appreciate uh, letting Jacoby back to come visit. And, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we will be in touch again very soon. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate, appreciate it, bud. Right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate All right. it. All right, guys. That was our interview with Matt Perkins with Believe in Vandy. Go check him out, uh, Believe in Vandy podcast. Um, I thought that was great. He's yeah. super man. insightful. He's on, awesome, man. On Vanderbilt football. That guy is an encyclopedia <laughs> well, that's, that's of Vanderbilt was football. Was that he was going through all these teams that he follows, like Syracuse and Wisconsin. UCLA. Even, even UCLA. I was like, man, why the hell are you a Vanderbilt fan? Well, Nashville's pretty I, awesome, bro. Yeah, I mean, I get it. <laughs> like, you live there, you go to all the games and whatever. But man, if there was one place that I would relocate, it would be Nashville. I love Nashville. I do love Nashville. That was um, a very fun trip last year. I know, and I was hoping we could have made a trip to Nashville. Um, I wanted to go last year. I forget what happened. I hurt my I back or something. I think I hurt oh, my back. Oh, that was your back Yeah, it's been about right. a year ago since I I was laid up in bed for mm-hmm. a couple of I days. I remember I had to come over here. That's right. It wasn't I had to good. spoon feed you. <laughs> wasn't pretty. <laughs> um, okay, so he has 47 to 17 LSU. I am super conservative with 34-17, and you're 41-13? to 41-13, yeah. Wow. I kind of – I I, I don't know. I just – I feel like we're going to come out hot in this one. I really do. I think I think Miles Brennan's going to be – I mean, he's still going to be tentative probably, but, I mean, I think he's going to be less tentative. I think they're going to tell him – like, get him a lot of quick throws and stuff. You know what they need to tell him? What's that? Let her rip Miles. Let her rip Miles. Oh, yeah. All right, guys, we're going to cut it short tonight. Yeah. Uh, we uh, look forward to talking to you guys again for our postgame show uh, on Sunday, Sunday mornings. Morning. Oh, yeah. uh, coffee and donuts is what we call it. So look for us again for that um, this coming Sunday. We'll kind of talk about the uh, the Vanderbilt game. My birthday is on Saturday. So we're going to yeah. have a little birthday blow. I'm going to be hungover for coffee and donuts, my friend. Well, that's perfect. Um, that's the ideal state of State That's where you want me to be? Your, okay. Your ideal physical state for coffee and donuts. Check us out, guys, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter is One Team One Pod. Uh, you can also go to our website, One Team One Podcast.com, and you can, you can listen to us anywhere uh, you can find a podcast. Uh, we are there. Um, also, shout out to Courtesy Automotive Group, Brandon Lejeune at Courtesy Buick GMC. He is rocking them right now. He posted a couple of 2021 Denali's, uh, Yukon Denali's today that were fine. So he started getting the, he started pre-ordering these back in like March, and they're just now coming in. So it's taken a long wow. time. So if you want to, if you want to go ahead and pre-order one, you need to go ahead and do it now because it's going to take some time to get in. But these things are awesome. So check out Brandon Lejeune at Courtesy Automotive Group doing a awesome job in Lafayette. 
Also, big shout out to Bear Process Safety, Adam Barry at Bear. Uh, they're doing great work in the um, in the industrial plant arena. Um, any of you guys that are, are working in that industry, let your safety managers know about Bear Process Safety. They probably already do. The big orange bear is what I like to call them. Um, doing some innovative things with, with process safety in Baton Rouge. But they can also work outside of Baton Rouge and do things virtually. So check those guys out too, Bear Process Safety. Um, we are in the Courtesy Automotive Group studio, and uh, we look forward to talking to you guys again uh, on Sunday. So talk to you guys soon. This is One Team, One Podcast. Logging out. We showed you what the GOAT was last year when we beat y'all 50-7. to seven. Let's go! One Team. Relax, big boy. Podcast? One team, one podcast. Yeah, they did a good job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really good. Yeah. Why is he so fat? One team, one podcast. 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 One team, one podc